Hello and welcome to this CB on Air podcast. I am Rachel King, Associate Editor for Central Banking. In today's episode of our Partners in Focus series, we're going to explore how central banks have been optimising their organisations over the past couple of years, in line with what some have described as a cultural shift. Joining me for this discussion is Dominic B, who is a co-leader of Oliver Wyman's public sector and policy practice in Europe. Thank you for being here today, Dominic. Thank you for having me, Rachel. So to begin with, I thought it'd be really helpful to sort of set the scene for our audience and expand a little on what we mean when we say central banks are adapting to a, to a cultural shift or going through a cultural shift. Now, Dominic, you've worked with a number of central banks to help them in this regard. How would you define the shift that they're going through? So the major discontinuities that central banks currently face, um, and you know, you won't be surprised that they'll go hand in hand with um, the major trends we see um, in the broader economy and society. So if you look at the monetary policy side, you know, we have the sort of QE wind down extra strategies, negative yields, fragmentation of market transmission mechanisms. You know, we talk about CBDC. Um, climate and sustainability is, is a major topic um, and so on. I mean, the, the list is long. Um, and if you if you move over to the sort of regulatory supervisory um, space, you have modularization of financial services, fintech and big tech um, who are increasingly active and, and playing uh, increasingly important roles. Um, you get alternative forms of value storage, you know, stable coins and so on. And all of that obviously disrupts the way also central banks um, have to work and are working and uh, transmits into, you know, challenges around skill sets, you know, what are the analytical tools you need, governance around risk identification and mitigation, how do you, how do you deal with that going forward, um, are you identifying the right risks, are you on the forefront of, of managing those, um, you know, delegation of authorities, and then and then the whole cultural aspect that that you mentioned, that goes hand in hand with that. So, people need to embrace that. People need to understand that. Need to be adaptable. Um, you know, you need to you need to innovate. You need to embrace failure almost to to you know um, get ahead of the curve and and foster innovation. Um, you need to be responsive to those changes and really make sure you go you go with it and. That's a major challenge, and you know you see it in the private sector, you see it in the in the public sector, and as such, not surprisingly, central banks are on a on a similar journey there. Now, historically, I guess one could argue that central banks haven't need to change much. If you look back over the last sort of two hundred years, they've pretty much been pretty stagnant in changing. Um, but I'd say over the last maybe 10, 15 years that the pace of change or at least the pressure to change has increased. And I just wanted to ask you why it's so important for central banks who historically have managed to avoid changing now have to embrace this shift and rather quickly, I guess. Yeah, um, I would argue one of the key reasons is that the environment is changing and you can only, you know, fulfill your mandate and be relevant if you adapt to what's happening outside um, and that you know, it doesn't exclude a central bank. And if you look at the technological progress, for example, the last 50 years, you know, we've made more progress than in hundreds of years um, before that. And, you know, the the scale and the momentum is really unique. And as such, you know, disruptions translate into what central banks are doing. And I've raised a few of those challenges before. And um, 
you know, these are really new challenges and, and challenges that haven't been around before and opportunities that haven't been around before, you know, our challenges always go with the flip side of new opportunities and new ways of delivering your mandate. And as such, you know, the importance of, of embracing that and being on the forefront, I think, is much stronger than, than it ever has been before. Now, I just wanted to turn back to something that you said earlier, and that's uh, that's the sort of cultural mindset shift that needs to happen, because obviously it's it's very easy. Well, maybe not so easy for central banks to adopt new technologies and implement new policies, but it's a whole different ballgame if you're trying to get your staff and equally your senior management on board with these changes. So from your perspective, what sort of strategies can central banks adopt in order to enforce this this mindset of embracing change throughout their organisations? It all starts with leadership. Leadership really has to set the tone. And, um, you know, when we talk about culture, it's frequently called the uh, tone of the top that sort of sets the um, boundaries and the expectations here. And that's the same for the cultural change component. Um, it's very hard to ask people to behave differently. Mm. Why? Because behaviors are based on the beliefs that all of us carry. And beliefs are formed by, you know, the environment we're operating in, they're formed by what we see from our leadership, they're formed by the way we're incentivized, they're formed by the organizational setup, by processes and policies. And that's really where we need to, you know, start. We need to identify what are the outputs we want to foster um, through that cultural change, what is really the end result we're, we're aiming for. That could be, you know, fostering innovation, being adaptive, being agile, being responsive, you name it. And that then translates into those behaviors and beliefs that we need to create. And we can only create them in a central bank in any environment, really, by, um, you know, adapting our processes, policies, setting the right tone from the top by setting the right organizational um, environment. And uh, yeah, that then hopefully translates into beliefs and behaviors and creates those outcomes that um, we're all trying to achieve, but it's a it's a long term uh, game. It's a long term change that needs to happen there, and it's, it's certainly nothing that you can do overnight. And some of the institutions I've been working with have been on that journey, which is exciting and and um, stimulating. Um, you know, for for a couple of years now, and um, you know, it will certainly take a couple of more years to to take the full organization along on that journey. Okay. Um, I guess I probably should give central banks a bit more credit, I guess, over the past 12 months, because arguably they have been trying new innovative things and implementing policies at, at a greater speed. And that's largely because they've had to during the pandemic. And I, I wanted to ask you about this almost like crisis mentality that central banks seem to have, where if they are put under pressure, they do react fairly quickly and they are more open to change. But But after these crises have subsided and we enter this sort of recovery phase, we see central banks almost retreat back to being more cautious. Um, and I wondered whether if if it's necessary or if there's a way for central banks to ensure almost like a crisis mindset is maintained just continually. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. And I think a very valid observation I would, I would share. Um, central banks have done tremendous work and tremendous change and have delivered on tremendous challenges, uh, particularly in the last 10, 12 years, um, as we as we all know. And you mentioned the pandemic, which is just, I think, one of the um, uh, challenges we, we had looked at. Um, now, what I would argue is that in a crisis with that external pressure and the need to act quickly, 
the tolerance for errors, the tolerance to do a little bit of trial and error, the tolerance of innovating and thinking out of the outside of the box um, just increases. And um, as soon as you know you're more in a in a business as usual environment, um, you you see the tendency, and that's by the way not true only for central banks. That's true for many public organizations and certainly also for a few um, private ones. You see you see the tendency to be a little bit more conservative again with the risk taking and um, the um, willingness to to embrace failure as something which fosters innovation, to embrace errors and um, go down the try and error path if you want mm. so. And um, that is something which, you know, not surprisingly, is, is very deep in all of us um, as, as human beings. And um, I would argue that um, central banks, if they find a way to embrace that mindset of being agile and responsive and, um, you know, following this try and error and, and thinking about innovative ways and seeing failures not necessarily as something um, you know, which is brand marked as as bad, but something which is an opportunity to learn and grow mm. from, that would be really powerful. Notwithstanding, by the way, that um, obviously I don't want to see a central bank failing in, in the <laughs> spring and Monday. That's not what I'm suggesting. But, you know, there needs to be a safe space where you can do um, try and error, where you can experiment and where you have a safe space to to um, to try new innovations and see whether they fly. And CBDC is a beautiful example because it's such a fundamental um, disruption of uh, how central banks may operate in the future. Um, there will be errors and there will be mistakes just because it's such a complex thing that that you know we are thinking about to, to introduce and that central banks are working on and creating those safe spaces to give yourself the freedom of experimenting and seeing what could fly, what couldn't fly, you know, almost like a sandbox strategy, you could call it, you know, and I know that, you know, phrase is, is, is somehow um, labeled, but um, it might be a nice analogy, you know, then, then you can really create and unleash that creative potential to get the best out of your staff, ultimately. I think failure and error here are two key terms that central banks are going to have to get to grips with. You mentioned it very early on that it's something that they need to not be afraid of. But again, historically, they, from I guess a reputational standpoint and also a financial stability one, they, they feel they cannot afford to fail. And they are under, I guess, more public scrutiny than they were before. So if central banks are going to fully embrace this cultural change, they're also going to need to embrace failure as well. And you've mentioned that some central banks have, have started to create these safe spaces where they can experiment and learn from not mistakes, but perhaps when things don't go to plan. But I'm curious as to how they can then communicate that, because obviously it's very easy for them to fail behind closed doors. But if you've advertised these initiatives for CBDCs, for example, they're always in the public eye. I don't think there's a day that goes by that we don't see a headline about them. If these experiments don't work, or these policies don't come to fruition, how do central banks communicate that failure, if we can even call it a failure, to the public and then also to the market? Yeah, I, I think it's right. You shouldn't call it a failure. And it's probably the terminology, as you as already just mentioned, which uh, works better, something around, you know, um, safe spaces, innovating, learning from things which don't go to plan. I think I, I like that phrasing quite quite a lot. Um, in terms of communication, it's a fair question. I think you need to differentiate between things you need to communicate to the market and things where you're just trying and testing internally. Um, 
And um, there, I think it's it's going to be ultimately a case by case decision, right? So there will be areas where you try to give your teams, your project teams, your your colleagues who are working on on new innovative um, topics, a safe space to try and test and you know um, brainstorm and and have a full divergence of ideas before they converge on a few scenarios they want to try and test. And that is something you know that can happen within that safe space within the central bank and. I think it's absolutely fair that an organization um, has that, you know, approach and has that safe space within, um, you know, their four walls, so to speak. Um, and then there are certain so certainly areas where, you know, the market will have a heightened interest. And, you know, taking CBDC and um, you could imagine a world where a central bank does, you know, test technology, does test approaches within that safe space and then uses those findings and those um, outcomes they produce to create confidence in the market that they have done their homework, that they have done different um, tests and have run through different scenarios and really use it as something that is confidence inspiring and also showing that, you know, it's a learning journey. The central bank is embracing that and is very much aware of that and takes on board those different um, inputs, insights, and experiences that it's making. So really, I would argue at this point in time, it will be a case-by-case -case decision, and it very much depends on whether you're focusing on policy topics, whether you're focusing on um, market mechanisms, or whether you're focusing on the way you internally manage your organization. And this will be very distinct, and I think that you know has, has good reasons to be distinct, to be honest. I think that's going to be the key moving forward, isn't it? It's it's not just that central banks across the board are going to adopt the same strategy. It's going to depend also on how the public and how markets that were within their jurisdiction perceive them. So there may be some central banks that are able to slip more under the radar with their projects and not necessarily disclose the outcome of policies and projects if they're not expected to, where there are others such as the ECB and the Fed who have been more vocal about their projects um, and I just wanted to lastly ask you about the role social media will play with this. Yeah thank you thank you for that question because I think it's really adamant and we've talked a little bit about communication you've raised that you know the ECB the Fed and others are more proactive in communicating and social media is really having a huge impact in uh, expectations by the public. I purposely say don't market expectations because it's also the expectations by the public and I see I think you see that sometimes in you know the communication strategies that have been published or the ambitions that have been published to engage the public much more and social media is part of that change and social media is part of that cultural change because it increases the frequency of communication it increases the intensity and also the scrutiny and as such you know um, social media can really play a key role in that approach and in also changing the cultural mindset of your staff population because it works not only externally one way it also works um, internally both ways and as such you know it's a it's a beautiful tool that sometimes is a little bit underappreciated or under um, estimated i would argue in the in the central banking community maybe I think you're right and I'm sure CBDCs won't be the last major shift that they have to go through so it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to this challenge moving forward and whether there is a sort of new standard that comes out with regards to communicating these not failures but when things potentially don't go to plan. Um, Dominic your insight's been incredibly useful today thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me Rachel thank you. Thank you.